0: Amen. You need the Lord's help. Alright, so, um, how many of you were here, not here, because we weren't, but how many of you were in church at the Holiday Inn last week? Last Amen. week. A few you, alright, alright. Some of you were not, some of you were out, that's fine. Uh, we also have a lot of people, at least a dozen people, uh, families have called and said they were out today uh, for various things, mainly the holidays and traveling, different things, so... Uh, And I'm glad to hear that because if I didn't know better, I would think that uh, last week just, you know, made folk decide they weren't gonna come back. (laughs) Listen, um, today's gonna be one of those days where we're still in the foundation part of this teaching. I'm teaching this lesson called Living uh, in the Balance of Grace and and Faith. Uh, I'm reading a thing about Joseph Prince's uh, Living in Favor, but favor comes when you get balance between grace and faith. And last week, we said a lot of stuff, Uh, and and part part of the stuff I said last week, it was done to shock, in in the sense that I wanted to get you to see the Word of God in a way you hadn't seen it before. I wanted you to open your eyes to not having a religious mindset about about what someone in church has told you, what some doctrine has told you, what somebody's church covenant had told you, and I just wanted you to see the Word, And, and that is the reason we spent time just going through those scriptures on last week, getting you to see the word. Many of you, have, you've talked to Pastor Sean, you talked to me this week. Uh, those of you that were at church, you, you, you probably had questions. Hopefully you read some, uh, you know, all kinds of things happened on last week. And so this week I want to come back and I want to tone us down just a little bit. But I still want us to understand that when we begin to talk about uh, living a life uh, of grace and faith, that that in essence we're talking about god's part and our part Uh, and i think that's important because if you miss either one of those in 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 my estimation manifestation either doesn't happen or it's very slow to happen and so we don't want to be living life where we have where we are slow to see manifestation amen Uh, how many of you want to see some manifestation suddenly amen we want to see suddenly manifestation and so this morning uh i'm just going to walk through some things share some scripture and then i'm gonna stop and i'm gonna do like we did last week and have time for question answer uh and it it can be question answer about about this it can be question answer about last week it can be question answer about things you read because here's what i believe we don't really need to go any further until we get our minds wrapped around this if you don't get your mind wrapped around what jesus has done everything else is just an activity it's just an activity. Coming to church is just an activity. Praying is just an activity. Sowing seeds is just an activity. Believing God is just an activity. Laying on hands is just... Everything becomes an activity if you don't already know what God has done. And there's a difference in knowing something intellectually and knowing something in your heart. Because a lot of people can intellectually tell you things, but if you look at their life, they're not doing any of it. It's, it's like when you, when, when you ask your kids and you say, hey, you know, you need to take out the trash. And they say, I know. No, you don't, because if you knew, you would have done it. And so when when we're talking about this, don't be like, oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, I already got the revelation of that. Oh, yeah, I understand that. Oh, yeah, because if your life doesn't line up with the word in every area, you ain't got it all yet. And, and And, you know, and that's what the Bible tells us to not despise repetitive teaching. You need to hear the same thing over and over and over again. Just because you've heard it once or twice or, or even five times, sometimes a dozen times, doesn't mean it's been internalized for you so that you can walk it out. Amen? And so I want to begin by, by, I want to begin in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 is where we started last week. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and throw a couple things out there so that we can go ahead and start the discourse. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is that sin does not stop the power of God from working in your life. Okay, let's throw that one out there. Sin does not stop the power of God from working in your life. The next thing I'll say is this God is not tripping about your sin. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. God is not tripping about your sin. The third thing I'll say is sin no matter how egregious you can come up with, will not send you to hell. Sin will not send you to hell. Sin doesn't cause you to spend your life in hell. The only thing that stops you from receiving eternal life is not believing in Jesus. Now now, 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 religion can tell you what they want to. They can put all of these other things around you. But I'm going to show you again today, even in a different place than we looked last week, that that is just not true. It's just not true. The problem is, I don't even remember what they were. Number one, I mean, I'm just talking. But number one, <laughs> sin doesn't sin doesn't stuff the power. Because remember last week we talked about the power of God. We said the power of God is what the There you go. Grace of God. So 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 sin doesn't stop God, doesn't stop God's grace. We also said that sin won't send you to hell. Right. Was that three or two? What was number two? Number two, God is not tripping about your sin. Okay, God's not tripping about your sin. What happens is we 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 as human beings have created an, an environment. That is so sin conscious that we spend all of our time focused on what we shouldn't be doing or the mistakes that we have made. We have absolutely no time to comprehend all God has done. And when you don't have time to comprehend all that God has done, then when you're praying, you're not even praying from a place of it's already done. You're praying, hoping God's going to do it. And I can't stress to you enough how that is such a wrong position. And I'm going to show you this and we're going to talk about this, you know, again, I don't know how long we're going to do this, but we're going to do it till we get it. Amen. Amen. So Romans chapter one, verse 16. We don't have the screen today. So you'll have to uh, go old school. You got to get your Bible or your phone uh, or something where you can actually look this up. Now, before I begin, let me ask this question. Anybody in here have a new living translation with them? Anybody happen to have a new living translation with them? Because if so, I might need your help. You got a new living? OK, I might need your help later on. There's a couple of scriptures that we're going to talk about that we need to see in the New Living Translation. Anybody here got an Amplified Bible? Okay, Pastor, I got Amplify, Amplified, so I might need your help. And the reason I do that is because there are sometimes when you read things in the word, you need to look at them several places so that you get a clear understanding of what's being said. And if you're not, uh, you know, a pro with King James, sometimes King James just don't really give you all the emphasis that needs to be there. But I'm going to start in King James reading Romans chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 15. I'm going to read to verse 17. It says, So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel. Now, last week we talked about this word gospel. It doesn't appear very many times in the New Testament. We said the word gospel literally means what? Nearly too good to be true news. So he's saying, I am ready to tell you something that is nearly too good to even be true. He says, for I am not ashamed of what this good news of Christ, for it is the what power of God. And we said the power of God is also the what grace Grace of God unto what salvation or another word for salvation is. Another word for salvation is. Another word for salvation is. Another word for salvation is deliverance. Y'all just didn't say it. Y'all, you got to know the word. You got to say it. You can't be like, you can't be that kid in class waiting on 19 other people to answer. And then you go (laughs) sixth. You got to know the power of God is the grace of God. It is the power of God unto us for salvation or deliverance. Because we can't can't just think salvation going to heaven. Okay. You're going to spend a whole lot of years here on the earth, hopefully. Before you leave this place, you want to be saved while you're here. You want to be delivered while you're here. You want to get delivered from your thinking. You want to get delivered from your wrong eating. You want to get delivered from all the things that will cause you to not live the kind of life that you want to live. Some folks just lie a lot. They need to be delivered from that. Right? Right. Some folks just mean, right? They need to be delivered from that. And And so the power of God, God's grace is big enough that you don't have to be mean. So it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation in everyone who hath believed, who, ha, who that believes or that believeth, to the Jew first and to the Greek. Verse 17 says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from how faith to faith, for it is written the just is going to live how by faith. Now, notice we're talking about two things, the power of God, which is the grace, grace of God. And we're talking about faith. So many times in our life, what we find is there are two camps. There's this camp over here that's all about grace. And when they talk about grace, they talk about grace and being God's sovereignty. And what they say is that if you don't have it, then God didn't want you to have it. Because if God wanted you to have it, God would give it to you. So if you got cancer, that was God's will. Maybe he's trying to show you something. That's, That's their movement. Then we got this other group who's all about faith. And they're like, if you can believe it, you can do it, you just got to. And this the part. When they talk about God can do anything, they say, but you got, you got to. All you got to do is pray. All you got to do is fast. All you got to do is give. All you got to do. So it's not just. So, so, so you got one group who says, hey, I'm absentee. Whatever God wants to do, God going to do. You got another group over here. say you got to do all of these things. And both of those groups think the other group is wrong. The truth is right here. It's in the middle. The truth is right here in the middle because the Bible tells us because I'm doing it again. I'm trying not to jump around. But 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 when I start to talk, I have to just talk about this. Somebody tell me, how are you saved? You know how you got that kid to always answer questions and they can't go up and the teacher go. I just try to do what you
1: say.
0: No, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right, Pastor how do we get saved? We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, is that, is, do y'all agree with that? Yes. Okay. Would y'all had agree with that past last week? No. Yes. Okay. Some of y'all would. Some of y'all would have. Some people would tell you that you get saved by confessing your sins. Right. Come on. They say you confess your sins. How do I know? Because in church, they say, "Is anybody here want to be saved? you better going to We raise our hand. They say, oh, come on down here. Yeah. And you come down there, and what do they do with you? They, they, anybody, even, even in, the in a non charismatic way, there, there are churches who invite people down, and what do they do? They pray with you. What do, they, what do we call it? What do, they, what do we typically call what they pray? Prayer, Prayer, of salvation. Prayer of salvation. But what are we praying for? Forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin. But why are we praying for forgiveness of sin? Because why? That's what, they told you That's what they told you to do. But every time you look in the Word, when it asks somebody about being saved, what they say to them? Believe. So I say, well, Pastor, why does that make a difference? Why does that make a difference? I'm going to show you why it makes a difference. It makes a difference because if you, end, if you begin a relationship the wrong way, you stay in the relationship the wrong way. If, if, if you start a relationship with a lie, it, it's, it's going to be a lie until you fix it. We start so many relationships with God in a lie. Because they tell us that in order to have what God already made available, we have to ask him to do something that he's already done. And the truth of the matter is, that's not what the word says. So let me digress and let me go back. I'm going to go back to my notes. I'm going to read for a minute and then, and then we're going to look at some things. Let me just say this. The balance of grace and faith is as important uh, foundation, it's as an important foundational truth. Whether you are consciously aware of it or not, you deal with this on a daily basis. The body of Christ is basically divided into two camps. I just explained that. Those who emphasize grace, which is God's part, and those who emphasize faith, which is our part. One group preaches that everything is totally up to God. The other group preaches that everything is totally up to us. Both contend that the other group is totally wrong. On a personal level, we may phrase this issue in many different ways, but it all comes down to the question, what part is God's responsibility and what part is my responsibility or what must I do? The Bible clearly teaches a balance between grace, God's part, and faith, our part. And today, as I'm asking you to open up your heart and your mind to receive this word, I believe that the Lord has some life-changing truths that he's going to share with us. I noticed that we can become so familiar with a text or a passage that literally when we read it, we miss what it says because we read it so often. In fact, I want you to get your Bible. I want you to look at something. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, and nine. Now, you may not recognize Ephesians two, eight, nine just off the top of your head. But when you see it, you will recognize it. It's one of those scriptures we have read so many times that I think we miss a lot of the truth in it. I also understand that. You can look at something one way Get revelation And every time you look at it It's never the same Come on. And I think sometimes If you read Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 With a sin conscious state It's very different than if you read it With a righteousness conscious state Say this, say I am, I am the, righteousness the righteousness of God Created in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Okay It says It says Ephesians 2 8 through 9. Now let's look at this, okay? Let's dissect this for a minute. It says, For for by grace, is that where you are? I have to make sure because I don't have my screen. It says, For by grace are you what? Through? And that not of yourselves. It is the what? Not of what? what Works or yourself, lest any man should what? Boast or brag. Okay. Now, notice it's very clear on how salvation comes. It comes because it it comes by grace. Okay. It comes by grace. But watch what he says it comes by grace through what? Faith. He says it doesn't come from you. He said, What this grace is a gift from who? God. And the reason it's a gift from God is so that nobody in here can brag about having it. So it don't matter how wretched you were or how good you were. None of you could have got right with God if it wasn't for God. So none of us have the right to look at somebody else's life and think, I wonder why they're blessed like that. I wonder why God did that for them. I've been over, and we know it's true because it was so funny. I had about three people tell me when we talked about this last week, how they, in in their mind, when I said it, they was like, you know what? I've said that before. I was like, I didn't sleep with everybody like that. How come I ain't married yet? Sleeping with people is not a precursor to getting married. Come on. It's just not. But if you line your life up on works, you will try to do everything the right way, thinking that you're going to get a particular outcome. And that's not what the word of God says. Come on. Now, at the same time, you can't just be wiling out because right. Right. Right, that's always the question. Right. I love what Valley told me last week. He says he says that was a good message, because when you preach a message like you preach, everybody should be asking, well, should I just continue in seeing Then, And I had about four people ask me that. <laughs> Pastor I love you But it sounds like you just saying Everybody can just do what they want to do Everybody had the right to do what they want to do anyway You you didn't need my permission You didn't need me to tell you You could do the sin that you did You was already doing it Some of you had perfected it before You had got good at it Before we ever met So the truth of the matter is No one needs a license to sin If they want to sin they're going to sin But the Bible was very clear. We went to it last week in Romans chapter six. He says, shall we continue in sin that this grace may abound? And what did he say? Yeah, do it. No. He said, God forbid. He said, how can you who who's not who who's not in sin anymore continue to serve sin? But 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 then people go, well, but but, but what if I do sin? Well, you do realize you had sin before Jesus came and, and, and gave you revelation of who he was so, so sin is not this thing That stops God from working in your life Now, now, now watch this There are some profound truths In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 There are some profound truths that are revealed here in the scripture, one of which it says this. We are saved by grace through faith. As I stated earlier, the body of Christ is basically divided into two groups. Those who emphasize grace, those who emphasize faith. One group preaches it's all about God. Another group preaches that it's all about us. Those who preach man's responsibility will normally say things, normally say uh, that those who teach Uh, That it's just all up to God are totally wrong. And those who preach that it's all up to God will tell those who talk about faith that they're trying to put too much emphasis on their word. The reality of it is, is that the truth is right here in the middle. And I'll show you this. I want you to look at, I believe it's uh, Titus chapter two. Titus chapter two. Now, if you read Ephesians 2, and I'm saying this because when I'm going through this, I am teaching myself to rethink how I see the word. And I'm asking myself the questions I think you're going to teach. Okay, you're going to ask me. So the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. Right. But if you look at Ephesians 2, I believe it's verse five. It says this. It says, by grace, are you saved? Okay. now, is that a contradiction in the Bible? Not at all. It says, by grace, are you saved? It doesn't say by grace, are you saved alone? So it's not a contradiction in the word. You are saved by grace, but not just grace alone. It's grace and faith. faith. It's grace and faith. So when he says in Ephesians 2, uh, 5, he says, he he says, by grace, are you saved? That's not a misnomer. It is true. We are saved by grace, but it's not grace alone. We are saved by grace through Faith. faith. Faith in what? Right. Right. What, he, thank you, what he already did. See, we think sometimes and, and, and that's and, and I think that that's the key. That is the pushback we have to get past, because if you don't understand what she just said right there, we make believing about something else. Yeah. The only requirement that you have is to believe. That, and, and, you're going to make me skip around. Let me show you. Go to go to go to go to John, chapter six, verse twenty nine, John, chapter six, verse twenty nine. This ain't this ain't going to be all smooth and put together. But, but if you if you hang with me, you'll see this. John six. Verse twenty nine, I believe it is. Uh, John six. Hold on. I think it's verse 29. All right, let's, let's go back up just a little bit. Let's go to verse 20, John 6, 26, okay? Just for context. It says, Jesus answered them and said, verily, verily. Now, when, see, when you see verily, verily, you know that mean for real, for real. <laughs> Y'all know that, right? I love, it. verily, verily, one of my best things in the Bible, Jesus like, look now, for real, for real. <laughs> so Jesus answered and said, look, for real, for real, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and you were filled. He says, "Labor not for the meat which perish, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed." Now, we, now, if you got a, one of them good Bibles, what color is this ink? Yeah. So, who talking? Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus hadn't ascended yet, right? So Jesus is talking, but he hadn't ascended yet. So when you read scripture, you have to keep that in mind. So when he says to them, the son of man shall give you, he was saying he's going to give you. But when you and I are in our life right now, he's not going to give us. We already have. And what happens is people read the Bible and they forget that there are certain things that they read that Jesus was saying prior to his ascension. Now, verse 28, he says, then then said they unto him, they say, now, now, because I, and I love questions. They say, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Now, now, now notice Jesus just performed all these miracles. Right. He just I mean, he just he just fed people. He did all these things. And he's talking to his disciples. He said, look, y'all, this, this whole crowd, you and this whole crowd, y'all didn't come because of who I am. Y'all came because of all the miracles I did. How do we know that's true? Because that first thing they ask him is what? How can we do them things you did? How do we get to do the work like you did? And look what Jesus tells them in verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God. Y'all read the last part out loud. He didn't say all you got to do is learn how to pray enough. He didn't say all you got to do is learn how to give enough. He didn't say all you got to learn how to do is be right. He said, here's the work. Believe. That's the work. You want to do. He literally gave them the clue. You want to do miracles like I did? Believe like I believe. You want to lay hands on the sick? Believe like I believe. How did Jesus believe? That the father always had the answer. How do we know that? Because when he got ready to feed the 5,000, the Bible says that he took the little fish and the little bread. And what was the first thing he did? He, he, what, before he broke it, what did he, the Bible say he did? He gave thanks and looked up to heaven. Then he broke it. And I believe the whole, I don't think he looked down. In, in my sanctified imagination, I believe he looked up the whole time and just kept breaking How how do I know? Because if you get your eyes off of the person, then you start looking at what's natural. And he knew that naturally he didn't have enough to feed everybody, so he just kept his eyes toward heaven because he knew that he could never not look to the Father and not receive everything that he needed. How do I know? Because Peter did the same thing. How do I know? He said, "He said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come." He said, "Well, come, Peter." And the Bible says he kept his eyes on the Lord. Well, the sea was still doing everything it was doing before, but the Bible says that the wind grabbed his attention, and the moment he looked at the wind, he began to sing. And the moment you get your eyes off of who's doing it, you start looking at you, your education, you start looking at you, how much money you got, you start looking at you and all of your connections, you miss everything that God wants to do for you. But we go to church and they teach us to think about what we do. Every sermon is about what we need to do How we need to get right Jesus took care of that He said here is how you do miracles You believe like I believe Every time they asked Jesus a question And he had had to say something about the father It was a positive affirmation You never heard Jesus say "Well, I don't know if the Lord is going to do that I don't know if the father is going to do that Everything Jesus believed, he believed because the father had told him he could do it. And so he didn't have any doubt. That's why when they came to kill Jesus, Jesus said, look, no man takes my life. He said, "Now I may lay it down, but no man can take my life. Why? Because God had already given him an assignment about what was going to be with his life. So when they tell you you didn't get the job, but God told you the job was yours, don't freak out. Nah, come on. Free. Get free. Get free. When, when God told you he had a special person for you, and, and I know you've been alone for a little while, don't freak out. On, Why? Because as long as you keep your focus on heaven, yeah. as long as you keep looking to the father, everything in your life is going to work out. Yes. And it can't be based on what you do. Amen. Now, let me go back to my point here. Because I was talking about Ephesians 2.5. All right, here we go. Titus. Titus 2.11. You got it? Mm? Well, let's get there. Titus 2.11. Listen, God has done so much for us by grace. Before us to receive what he has done, there must first be a positive response on our part. Now, somebody said, well, Pastor, is that works? No, it's not works. Works is you doing something, trying to get God to do something. That's different than doing something because God's done something. Right. It's the difference in trying not to lose a basketball game and, and playing to win a basketball game. Right. You ask any athlete, there's a very different mentality in those two. Right. You see a team that's up by 20 and a team start making a run and they get nervous. They start running their offense, they start doing all the stuff that got them to where they were. Now they're just trying to hold on. Some of us feel like we're just trying to hold on. We're just trying to make it to Jesus come back. Listen, that's not the life he designed for us. If Jesus don't come back for another hundred years, your next hundred years ought to be awesome. There has to be a combination of both grace and faith to get manifestation. You aren't saved by grace alone. There must be faith, but your faith cannot be based on what you can do to get God to move. It cannot be based on what you can do. See, somebody, I had a conversation last week and somebody said, well, if that's true, Pastor Edwin, why do you tithe? Let me tell you why I tithe. I tithe because tithing reminds me every time I give that my God has plenty more to give me. It's a, if, if, if you are not a giver, whether you talk about tithe or regular giving or offering or whatever, the only reason a person doesn't give, even if it's to other people, even if it's helping somebody, even if it's letting somebody borrow y'all, people always say, y'all let everybody borrow y'all car. Listen, you know how many cars they make a day? If somebody take that car, up, God will give me another one yeah. because the same guy who got me the first one is the same guy who will give me the next one. Yeah. You only don't give when you have a shortage mentality, yeah. and you only have a shortage mentality because you don't know how big your body is. Yeah. Now, I shut down that whole thing because it's not about whether you tithe because the Old Testament said or the New Testament said. The question becomes, I don't tithe because there's some religious law that says I have to. I give because it's my expression of love in the same way that I give to my kids. I give to people in my family. I give to people who I know. That's why when I go out to eat with people, unless it's just a whole bunch of y'all, if I go out to eat with people, I typically pick up the bill. Why? Because my thing is, I pick up the bill because I know that God has plenty more to give me. I ain't scared of no $100, no $100, $200 bill. Now the reality of it is, if you think, well, I ain't got that much money, I can't be spending that. Wait a minute, what do you say about your God, though? I'm not trying to down anybody, I'm trying to get you to have the internal discourse to say, wait a minute, maybe there really is another reason why I do what I do. Maybe I really don't believe as much as I say I believe. Because if I believed as much as I say I believe, I would have to have a different behavior. I'm not trying to tell you you got to change today. The quickest way to change is to begin to engage yourself with questions. Why don't I do, why don't I do X? If I say, I believe that God, listen, we talk about going to a place that's got streets made out of gold. But you grovel over 10%. It's not about whether or not the law says it, you have to do it or not. The question becomes why are you so concerned that if you give, you won't have enough? In the reality of it, as much as people don't want to face the fact, it's because you haven't seen God as having enough to give you. It's just true. You can say, well, my budget don't allow it. Then you live by your budget, not by God. I can't tell you the number of times the Lord has told my wife, I had to clean out our savings account. And I always preface this. I ain't asking for you to clean out your savings account. But I can't tell you the times that the Lord has said to my wife and I, take what you have in your savings account and do X with it. The first few times he did that, I had some what we call choke level issues. (laughs) She was much more willing to do it. I was not, because I was like, if I do that, then what if I need something for my kids? What if I need something for my family? And then I justified it by saying that a man takes care of his family. That would be a stupid thing to do. God wouldn't ask me to do something stupid. The reality of it is, is I didn't trust God to give me back what I was going to give. And that's just the truth. I didn't trust him enough. And everybody in their life will have something that you're going to have to reach choke level about. What are you going to allow God to be God for? What are you going to say? You know what, God? I can't do nothing with this. It's all on you. Your word says you've already provided, so I render it all to you. I remember the first time we gave $5,000. The first time we ever gave $5,000. I I, I'm sure it wasn't, but it felt like my heart was beating so hard that my chest was like, like like on cartoons. It was like boom, 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 boom. I was terrified because it took a while to save up that much money back then. And so the reality is that now we're going to give this away, but at some time you just got to trust God. And sometimes you just got to throw your life down and say, okay, God, it's all on you. If, and then that's when we developed this mentality, if God don't help us, we're going to fail anyway. Come on. If God, if literally, if God don't help, because watch this, you can have $10,000, you can have 100000 you can have a million dollars saved in the bank, but need a million and one. <laughs> but need a million and one. And if you need a million and one, you just as broke as if you didn't have nothing. Come on, and God was like, listen, you got to understand, you're never going to have enough to do what I've called you to do. So at some point, I'm trying to do it down here at 5,000. But at some point, you're just going to have to trust me. Yeah. Because if you don't ever believe me for 5000 how are you going to build a $5 million building? Come on. And the reality of it is, is all of us got something in our lives we got to trust God with. Amen? Y'all at like Titus 211 now? You should be there by now. <laughs> Titus 211. Here's what it says For the grace of God that bringeth salvation. I, I need you to see this. You got Titus 211? I want y'all to read this with me. Ready? Read. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation appeared to all men. It what? to all men. Before that, it has. It has. So, so this grace we're talking about didn't appear when you said, Lord, I want to be saved. It was already available. It had already appeared. The grace for deliverance existed before you had the problem. I'm preaching on this side of the room. The grace for deliverance appeared before you ever had the problem. There is no problem that you will ever have that grace doesn't already have a solution for. It already has. It already hath appeared. That is the reason people ask me sometimes. They say, why is it that you can just quit a job and get another one? Why is it that you'll just say you don't like that job and you just say, no, you get another one? Because every job I ever want ever has already appeared. I, 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 I tell you where this got solidified for me. Years ago, I wanted to work from home. And when I wanted to work from home, there was not a job that allowed me as an educator to work from home. And so I began to pray. And at that time, we was like living in like this radical state. We was just like, with the word said, that's what we're going to do. And I said, okay, God, I want a job that pays me over $100,000 a year. I don't want to have to go into the office every single day. And I want a job where I get to have some travel, but I don't have to be gone all the time. I would start looking on it every day, every day, praying for my job, every day, nothing killed up, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, And then all of a sudden, what I did know is that months before that, the Department of Education had passed a law. How many know that when you're praying, God is working? They passed a law that said they were going to take Title I money from low performing schools and instead of continue to give that money to them, they were going to create a system whereby they were going to manage those monies for them. And that the person they wanted to manage that money had to be an educator in the state of Arkansas. Now they passing the law before I'm ever thinking about the fact that I want the job. Right. Why? Because God already knew what I was gonna ask for. Yeah. Wow. So God is not waiting for you to have a problem and then go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what am I gonna do? I don't know. <laughs> God already knows ah. because his power, his grace had already appeared. Already. Already. It's all you, t- tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. Everything I, need everything I need has, has already, already appeared. appeared. All you got to do is wake up to it. Yeah. Wake up. Now, 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 I'm not saying it's easy, but, but to get your mind to wrap around this idea that everything you need, here's, I tell you all the time, here's how you know when you believe when you ain't praying for the same thing every day. Yeah. Uh, uh, when you ain't got that level of anxiety, about whatever that issue is, and you're praying for it every day? Because in reality, when you're praying and asking God for it every single day, you ain't believed. You, that's why you still have. You haven't believed. You haven't believed. I can't tell you the number of times, and here's what's so funny, though. So the number of times that someone couldn't conceive, and they would come to Pastor Sean and ask Pastor Sean to lay hands on them so that they can conceive. Now watch this. I always found this amazing and no downgrade to her, but they left God to ask her. Mm. Yeah. 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 They left God to come ask her to lay hands on them so they could receive. Why? Because their faith wasn't in God. It was in faith in the worksheet they thought she had done for somebody else. And we have to be careful that we don't find ourselves in these acts of works thinking we're in faith. If you want a baby, all you got to do is ask God. He'll give you a baby. Now, is there anything wrong with laying hands? No, nothing wrong with laying on hands. The Bible says, if the sick is among you, bring them to the elders of the church, they lay hands on him, and they shall recover. But you know who the but you know, you know where the healing comes from? God. You know when it came? 2,000 years ago. I made, people, I made somebody really mad last week. Big mad. They weren't little mad. They, they it was bigly mad. Bigly bigly men they were bigly men now (laughs) because I said this God Jesus hasn't healed or delivered or saved anybody in 2,000 years they said "What, what, what, what do you mean I said he hasn't done it because he did it once he did it once he saved the world one time and, and if you don't believe me let's go to Romans and check it out Romans chapter 5 listen I love me and Valley was talking last week and one of the things he said which I, I actually wrote it down because I wanted to say it today if you read Romans chapter 3 Romans chapter 4 and Romans chapter 5 you have to intentionally misinterpret it in order to stay in a sin conscious state you have to read it and, and go I'm going to work hard to make it say something it don't say Because it lays out for you so clearly that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let's look at Romans. Let's look at Romans. Romans chapter 5. Let's start in verse. Oh, yeah, that's good, too, though. Hold on. See, that's the problem. That, that, that's the problem. If you start with 17, but you read 16, then 15 is good. And if you read 15 and 14, 13 is good. So you're like, well, I just going to go to seven. <laughs> so let's just go to Romans chapter five, verse seven. It says for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet preadventure for a good man. Some would even dare to die. Here's what he says. He says, look, you'll die for a dude you cool with. You'll die for your, you would die for your ride or die. But that troll on Facebook, you ain't trying to die for. You ain't even trying to get your life for them. You ain't trying to do anything for them at all. That's what he said. He should have said, verily, verily, for real, for real. <laughs> Verse 8, he said, but God commanded his love toward us. Look at that. He commanded his love toward us in that while we were, what, yet sinners what did he do? Died for us. While you and I were in our sins, he died for us. Now, when, when, when you read this, the problem is sometimes as we take this letter that was written to the Roman church. We extrapolate it to mean for us. He's writing to them. He's saying while you were in your sins, Christ died for you. Okay, he's trying to because because this is this is a church. He's writing this to. He said, you guys are acting like Christ didn't die for you. You're acting like sin is still an issue. Sin is not an issue because now we're post Christ. There, There is no sin issue post Christ. Before there was a sin issue. It had dominion over you. It says, but now that Christ has come and did away with sin, sin no longer has dominion over you. It's why whenever the Bible always talks about sin after Christ's ascension, it talks about sin being like something. Not that it is, it's like something. The Bible says the devil is, because used to be he, he had a lot of power, but now the Bible says he is like a roaring lion. Not that he is, but he is like one. He's pretending to be one because he realizes that he's not one anymore, not when it comes to God's word. So then he says this. Let's just go to verse 17. We could read all that, but let's go to verse 17. It says, For if by one man's offense, watch this, who was the one man who offended? Adam. Who was the one man that offended? Adam. Adam. Say, Adam, Adam was the offense. It says, so if by one man's offense, death reigned by one much more, they which receive abundance of what grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign. How in life, he says, all right, sin showed up because Adam and because sin showed up because of Adam, because we were all after the similitude of Adam. Then we had sin like Adam had. Now, just think about this for a minute. If Nitra had an issue, and Mitra's issue called all of us to have the same issue, and then Nitra got healed of that issue, then the issue that used to affect her that only affected me because of her, when she gets healed from the issue, I get healed from the yeah. issue. So, so he, you wanna know how to break a generational curse? Teach them that the generational curse doesn't exist for them anymore. Because lying, stealing, cheating, beating, sleeping, whatever you want to call it. It may have existed with your grandfather, but that didn't mean it had to exist with you. Because you are no longer after the similitude of your grandfather. I am no longer after the similitude of Adam. Even if I was after the similitude of Adam, Adam's sin got dealt with. How do I know? Because look what it says. He says therefore as by the office of one judgment came upon all men. So, So Adam got judged and judgment came to everybody. He says came upon all men to condemnation even so by the righteousness of the one free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience Many were made sinners. Say made sinners. Made. You were made a sinner. It says so by the obedience of one. Shall many be made Now. This is the question I'm going to ask. You don't have to agree with me. Let me say this. Let me stop for a moment. Let me say this. I function as the pastor of Fellowship of Champions Church International. That does not mean I am a dictator. That does not mean that you can't have free thought. It does not mean that you have to agree with me on every single thing. In fact, I actually like the discourse. I like the pushback. I like the conversation. But I'm going to ask you a question. Can you tell me, based on what you read, when this salvation to all men and all this righteousness, when did it come? Okay. If it came when Jesus died, when did Jesus die? So why do we spend so much time talking to people about coming out of their sin?
1: <laughs>
0: now, now I'm not now, now me and Pastor Sean have been talking the whole time doing praise and worship. Whole service. <laughs> whole service, we've been talking, okay? What I said earlier really threw some people. And that's cool. And I'm able, I'm, I'm able to come back and go, OK, maybe I didn't get all that right. But when I read the Bible and I keep going through this and I'm reading Romans, I'm reading Titus, I'm reading Acts. In fact, let's go to Acts real quick before I say this. Acts 16. Let's look at Acts 16. Because I don't know about you, maybe because I grew up church of God in Christ. But what I know is sin was a big deal. Okay? It was a big enough deal that every week they had us to come up there and repent for it. And they, used to, and they used to stand up there and they would say, I know there's about six young men in here who have been fornicating on this week. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to the altar and get that thing right before I start calling out names. Now, if you ain't never been in a service like that and been a fornicator. <laughs> <laughs> My mom, my mama, sitting in here.
1: Yeah.
0: But if you ain't ever been in a service like that, listen, that get you to come up there, cause the last thing you want you want to go in your own free will in the court You don't want five people to go up there. and Somebody go Edwin. But that wasn't done to say, hey, you don't have to. You you don't. Have, you can be free from fornication. That was done to say if you don't get this sin issue dealt with, you're gonna go to hell because they always backed it up with this scripture right here without holiness, no man. What am I folk. for, Chris? No, no man shall see the Lord without holiness. No, and what they meant was that if you don't live a perfect life, you ain't gonna see God. So I decided early on, if I'm gonna go to hell, I'm gonna go to hell in a limo. I ain't, go- I, 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 ain't go- I ain't going to hell in no Volkswagen if, if, if I can't do right I might as well go in style But that's not what we ought to be teaching young people We ought not be teaching young people that we shouldn't be teaching young people that we should be getting to understand. Listen, you may have a struggle with this or with that, but God has already done away with your sin issue. And if you get to know God in a deeper way, you won't even have those desires anymore. What I say, Acts? Acts 16, let's go to verse 29. I ain't even there yet. Let's, y'all go there. though. Acts 16. I still ain't preaching my notes yet. We'll get there one week. Acts 16, now now in verse 24, you know the story, this is the story of Paul and Silas when they were in jail, right? Yeah. Now I want you to notice something, because in Acts, this is after the ascension, okay? This is not pre-ascension, this is post-ascension. Christ is gone, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, all those things they told us, he went to hell, stayed there three days, took the keys from the devil, kicked him in the gut, came back, gave the keys, <laughs> gave us all power in his hand. <laughs> Yeah, all that stuff they told us. It's true. Here's what it says. Verse 24. It says, who having received such a charge, he thrust them into the inner prison and made them feet made their feet fast in stocks. It says, and at midnight, and then you gotta preach it real good, at midnight, (laughs) and at midnight. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. It says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. It says, and the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison's door open, he drew out his sword, and he would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. That's important, because he understood that if the prisoners got away, that meant it was his responsibility. He was going to die. But, this, but notice verse 28, it says, But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Verse 29 says, Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling, and he fell down, talking about the jailer, before Paul and Silas. Verse 30, it says, And brought them and brought them out and said, Notice what he said to him. He said, Sirs, watch this, What must I do to what? He said, he said What must I do? They didn't say repent of your sins. They didn't say ask the Lord to forgive you for all that you have done in your past. They didn't say, you know what, you just need to just cry out to the Lord. They didn't say you got you to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Mama want to Kawasaki. You got to say it over and over and over and over. That's not what they said. They didn't do any of that. None of that. What did they say? Look at the next verse. What did it say? He said, and your household. He says, here, all you got to do is just. Forget about all the stuff you did in your past. Don't worry about what you're going to do today or tomorrow. All you got to do today is just. And when he told him, believe, he didn't say he he didn't say it like believe that there was a Jesus because they knew Jesus as a person. He says, you got to believe on Jesus. What does that mean? He says, all you got to do is believe what we've been preaching, which is that Christ came and died for every single person. And then all you got to do to receive this deliverance, to receive this salvation, to be in this kingdom of light. All you got to do is believe. But we don't tell people that. And we don't tell people that because if you don't tell people about their sins, you can't control them. But I'm submitting to you that you don't need to be controlled when you're in love. Mm-hmm. I like my head wet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay.
1: Listen.
0: You don't have to be, you don't have to control people if you're teaching to be in love with God. That's the truth. When you love a person, you don't always have to have somebody in your ear saying, Don't hurt them. Don't hurt them. Don't do that to them. Come on. When you love a person, the last thing on your mind is hurting them. So if you fall in love with God, the last thing to be on your mind is doing anything that would disappoint. Them. And, and watch this. In a real relationship, when you love somebody and you hurt them or they hurt you, you forgive them. So you might miss it. You might mess up. You might blow it. But God ain't throwing you away. And how do I know God ain't going to throw you away? Because when they were asking God, when, they were, when the disciples were asking Jesus about forgiveness, what did he say? He said, forgive him how many times? Seven times. Seven times. Seventy a day. Seven times. Now watch this. And when you study it out, he actually told them to forgive them seven times 70 per day per incident. So not just 70 times 70 per day for totality of all the mess ups. That means as many mess ups as they can do, they can do that particular mess up seven times 70 that day. So, so so when you get that, yeah, because most of them are like, dude, you got two times. Right. You out. Yeah. Oh That's God. it. You got twice and you're done. You're done. Yeah. The reality of it is if we can get our mind wrapped around that, then you never have any fear about God throwing you away. Uh-huh. <laughs> Again, it's it's not this idea that we're that I'm advocating sin. it's like, yo, I can just do whatever I want to do. It don't even matter. That, <laughs> If that is your mentality, you haven't fallen in love yet. You haven't fallen in love yet. But if you fall in love with God, if you fall in love with the father, there is no, there is nothing you want to do to harm him. There's just nothing you want to do. Amen. So he says, what shall I do to be saved? And he says to them, he says, all you have to do is believe. He says, all you have to do is believe. Let's look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.10. Now this one I think I'm going to need somebody's new living translation for. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.10. Somebody said, but why is this important? It's important because if you don't have the right mindset, you can't build the right life. You know, you you can't build uh, a house of a certain size unless the foundation is appropriate. I'm trying to get you to build a big life. I need you to have a big foundation. First Timothy four and 10. First Timothy chapter four. Verse number 10. It says in the King James, it says, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. Who is the savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Now, who got the New Living Translation? Okay, one of y'all read that, please.
1: This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the savior of all people and particularly
0: of all believers. Now, let's wrestle with that last part. He is the savior of what? All, all people. people. All what? All people. And then what's the next thing say? Okay so what does that mean Because if he's the savior of all people That's it right Why does it say particularly those who believe you, Come on Y'all English people y'all know Okay He's the savior of everybody So notice He's the savior of everybody Already Okay that's the grace He says particularly though For those who Believe. Because they've activated their faith, faith to get the grace, and so if I have faith, <laughs> <laughs> so if I have my so faith is my part, grace is his part. Together, they bring manifestation of my deliverance. Yeah. Oh, that's good. He's the same. see. You're already healed. You're already saved. You're already out of debt. You already got the new job. You already got to be Whatever you want, you already have. The only issue is the believing part. Now, let me tell you why this part is difficult for us. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. neighbor you, you are human. Are human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your, your spirit man gets grace. Yeah. Yeah. Your spirit man like, yo, me and God, cool. We got it. we great. we good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We good. You know, the, the, the moment God says something, your spirit man is like, boom, he's right there with it. I'm right there. The problem, though, is that you are a human being. And you have experiences. You have uh, uh, situations. You have misinformation. Uh, you have disinformation. Uh, you, you have all of these things that get in your mind that stop you from just believing God. So let's go to James chapter 1. Because in James chapter 1, here's what he says He said, If any man lacks wisdom, let him do what? It says, And God will give to him liberally and unabraidly. He says, He, he, he won't even find fault in the fact that you don't know. He won't be like, Oh my God, you've been saved 20 years. I can't believe you don't know that. Because that's how some of us would do, because we're human. Because we're human. But he says, "No, if you don't know something, just ask me. I'll give you so much insight and wisdom into it. You'll be able to teach this thing to other people." And then he keeps going, and he says this: "He says now, it says, don't ask the Lord anything if you don't ask it in faith." Let's digress. Let's 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 deal with this. What does it mean to ask in faith? And y'all probably know now because we've been talking. But what does it mean to ask in faith? And that's the key. Faith is not believing God to do it. And so many people are asking God to do it. That is not faith. He says to ask in faith is to basically thank God that it's already done. He says, why is this important? He said, because if you don't ask in faith, you will waver. Now, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. You're going to waver. He says, and if you waver, you are considered to be double minded. Now, now, now watch this. Double minded doesn't mean uh, this this evil thing. What it means is, is that God can't get God can't. What it means is that manifestation can't happen because God's already done his part. But some days you believe, but some days you don't. Some days you think it's going to happen, but if it don't come fast enough, you go back to unbelief. He said, and because you are double-minded, he says, let that man not think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why? Because you can only get what God has made available when you believe only. When you believe only. Anytime you find yourself having to re-ask God for something again, you got to check yourself and go, whoa, I'm double-minded. I'm double minded. When you ask and you believe that God has done something for you, everything out of your mouth, out of that, got to be got to be thankfulness. And it's hard because we've been retrained. I mean, we've been trained to literally we, we tell people I've told people just pray every morning. Just pray and ask God every day till you see it come to pass. That is you believing that somehow you're pushing God to do something. Whether we realize it or not, that's what we're doing. We are pushing and saying, my prayers are going to make, your prayers are going to make a God move? Come on. Yeah. My prayer is that, God, this is what you have said for Camp Strick. So I believe I receive it. And every day I think about it, I'm going to thank you for it that it's already done. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why, why, why am I thanking him for it that it's already done? Because it's not done when I get it. It's already done it's all, Which is why I go back to salvation And people say When did I get saved When I repented of my sins That's just not true You did not get saved When you repented of your sins Because if that's the case Then when you sinned again Were you, were you unsaved Some people believe it It don't make it true But some people believe it But that doesn't make it true You have already been saved The whole world has been saved Our job as the gospel Is to preach this nearly too good To be true news To tell the world to wake up To what God has already done for them Not to convince somebody To come out of their sin Do you know that's why people Don't like to come to church They don't want to come to church And feel bad about what they're doing but somehow we believe that that is the way to, keep, to, to stop them from, 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 from doing the bad thing. But this is just not true. The Bible says it is the goodness,
1: goodness of God. that
0: Not how much you talk about how much they blow it. Now that's not a popular message. And most folks wouldn't let me teach this in their church. That's why I got my own. <laughs> <laughs> but more people need to hear it. More people need to know that the reality of it is, is that God has done his part. I need to do my part. But my part don't involve all of these tasks and all of these things, all of these boxes I got to check off. I just got to believe that what God has said is enough. I know you can do it. That's how you got saved. You ain't never seen Jesus. You ain't never been to heaven. You ain't never touched his hand. You ain't never walked with him. You ain't never smelt his breath. You ain't never done any of those things. You've never had, because the realization, you've never had Jesus to breathe on you. (laughs) But you got saved just because you believed. You just believed. You just said, I believe that God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, went and impregnated this 14-year-old girl. Laid up on her, not have sex, and she became pregnant with the whole. Even Joseph wasn't sure about it. He was like, Yo, if you say so, but I gotta put you away so they don't kill me. (laughs) And then this baby she had grew up and lived in this earth for 33 and a half years, and never once did he sin. And then because he went to the cross, he died on a cross as was prophesied thousands of years before he ever showed up. And then people say, well, that book was written by a man. I want to see the man who got that right. Because I got some lot of numbers I need. If you can get that whole, you can prophesy all of that thousands of years ago from different people in different parts of the world. And it all came together. I need to talk to that book to that brother. Right. And then we believe that and then we say, OK, and now he goes to hell and he defeats this devil that we've never seen. Mm. Now, we've seen some devils. <laughs> we've seen some of them around, but, but we haven't seen this one they talk about. And he goes to hell and he defeats him in hell and he comes back and he gives the key of life to us. And now he's sitting at the right hand of the father. And you believe that you believe that you are staking your life, your 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 afterlife on that. And I am too. So if I can believe that, I can believe he can pay my house off. I can believe that I can make my car note. I can believe he can get me into the right school. I can believe that he can give me a scholarship. I believe he can give me a job. I believe he can connect me with the right spouse. I believe he can tell me what city I'm supposed to be in. I can believe what career I'm supposed to be in. I can believe God for anything if I can believe that. And I think that's what we got to get people to understand that if we can do all of that, we have to be able to believe God. Now, you remember in in, in Corinthians chapter 12, you don't have to go there. But remember, there was a story of Paul and Paul said that we we don't know what it was, whether it was a person, whether it was a thing, an affliction, whatever. But it said that Paul had this thorn in his flesh. Y'all remember that story? The Bible says Paul asked the Lord what? Three times to remove it. On the third time after they didn't get removed, what did Paul say? His grace. That's all I need There are times in your life That you are going through stuff Sometimes you just need to say You know what God's grace is sufficient Now God's grace is sufficient Doesn't mean well you know what I'm just not going to worry about it God's grace is his power And it's it's what It's enough to remove it That was the revelation That Paul got That we don't talk about He kept asking God to remove whatever this thing was, and God could have removed it. But had he removed it, Paul wouldn't have understood in his natural body how powerful God's grace is. Listen, I don't care what you're going through. I'm going to end with this. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how difficult it is. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care what life challenge has thrown at you. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is greater than his grace. His grace is available to get you out of any situation you find yourself in. Any situation you find yourself in, God's grace is big enough to get you out of it. I had, I had so many things I wanted to share, but one of the things that, that I, I want to go back to, and I, I just wanna, I want you to see this, when we talk about faith being, being your part, So it's in John sixteen. John sixteen. Okay, write this down too. John one twenty nine. John one twenty nine says it says, "Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. Who taketh away the sins of the world." I gotta get you to wrestle with this. If Christ has taken away the sin of the world. Why are we still dealing with sin? I don't mean why do we sometimes commit sin. That's not what I'm talking. I mean, why is sin such a big deal to us? Why is sin the thing that stops God from working in our life, in our minds? Because we've been taught that. We've been told that. We've been told that. That if you did X, Y, and Z, you don't deserve. God to do something for you. Now, some of you haven't, some of you don't have it, some of you ain't, some of y'all grew up in churches where they didn't they didn't talk about that. And that's great. But I guarantee it's a whole lot of people out there who have. It's a whole lot of people out there who don't understand that their lack of perfection doesn't stop God. It just doesn't stop. I love, and I need to talk to them. But when we were talking to Pastor Cynthia on Monday, and, and, and she was she was giving a testimony. About, about this house she was believing for. And, and basically, um, you know, like she said, her house has been paid off. I mean, but, but she wants her mother to come live with her. And so they're looking for a bigger house. And she, it's a particular house that she wanted. And she said she literally started praying because she had, she had looked at hundreds of houses. And she said she had done so many open houses. She was sick of doing open houses. So she started praying, Lord, there's a house out there. That's my house and somebody's living in it. And I need them to move out of my house. Wow. Now, now, now some of them will be going, oh my gosh, but you know how the story went, don't you? You already know. <laughs> she found this perfect house. It just went on the market. She found it, called a realtor, went and looked at the house. She asked the people, she said, now this is a beautiful home. It's, 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 it's lovely. Look, y'all just redid, updated everything. He said, I know. He said we spent whatever amount of money she says we spent redoing this and and we put this in and we did that and we changed these out and, and all those were things she wanted in her house he said and then my wife came in one day and said you know what i don't want this Come on, we need to move we need to move and that would be good if the story ended there but it didn't because she said what happened was is that when because you know when you go to closing uh, you got to do all these different things. And as pastors, banks are really kind they of, don't, they don't understand how all that works. They want to know as a pastor how you know how much you're going to get paid next year. Because if your, if your pay comes based on, the, on what comes into the organization, how do we know the organization ain't going to have a good year and you ain't going to pay for this? It's not like a job, right? So she's explaining to them, she's talking to them, she's saying to them, this is what I'm not going to do. Now, now, now she's telling the people, this is what I'm not going to do. Not oh my God! If if I don't get this house, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I've spent so much time looking for this house. She's telling them what she's not gonna do. And she said the people was like, well, "If you ain't gonna do that, you ain't gonna get this house." She was like, "Well, I guess I won't get this house because the Lord told me it was mine. So even if I don't get it, they ain't gonna sell it. Yeah. So ain't nobody gonna else. I'm not going to panic because ain't nobody gonna get what's mine." Yeah. I could have got out the car and shouted, because what you understand is, is that when you believe God, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, because what's yours, nobody else can get. In fact, what's yours, they can't give away. They can try to give it away, and the people they give it to won't even want it. They'll give it back. There was a job one time that was mine. I didn't get hired for the job. They gave somebody else a job. She quit in three months. They called me. I told me I could have done away with this three months ago and just gave me the job. Yeah. <laughs> you can't give away what's yours. Nobody can give away your stuff. And so she said she, she was talking to the realtor people and they found out that her mother was going to live with her. And she said unbeknownst to her, they called her mother and was like, you know, give us your information, tax, and stuff, blah, blah, blah. And her mother did it and gave all the taxes. They said, oh, yeah, you can get in the house free and clear. She said, uh-uh. Because that's not how God told me to get in the house. Oh, come on. And, oh, someti- and sometimes for us, we go yeah, routes that God doesn't want us to go. Yeah. Just to get what we think, just, yeah. just to get and what we think good. God has said. Yeah. She said, God told me this was my house. He said, This is how I'm gonna get it. Grace is his part, faith is my part. I'm gonna keep believing what he said. And if it don't come the way he said, I don't want it. Y'all know she's going to closing, right?
1: right.
0: Yeah, she's going to close. That's her house. And it gave me so much. It, it was like, man, so many times when, it, when, I, when I asked God for something, like saying, okay, God, this is what you said, and then it didn't quite work out that way, I have to admit, in my heart, I've been willing to take the compromise. Because in my mind, it was better to get some of what God said. I'm just talking about me. It was was better enough to get some of what God said than to miss out on everything God said. But how do you miss out on what God said? You take your eyes off what he said. Otherwise, you can't miss out on what God said. And that's the thing that was like a light bulb went on the last couple of months. I can't miss out on what God said if I keep looking at God. Peter could have walked all the way across that water. He could have walked all the way across that water. He'd have never sunk jesus could still be feeding people all they had to do is just <laughs> keep breaking it off where do we keep our eyes where do we keep our eyes focused where are we are we looking to our jobs are we looking to this economy are we looking to our own self to be able to do it or are we just trusting god it's not an indictment that's the great thing that's the great thing about this church we are we say it all the time we're on a journey what together So I'm grappling with this, too, because if anybody knows, this is difficult for a type A person to get. Because a type A person wants to plan this out. I want to plan out how God going to bless me. I want to know what day is going to come. Is it going to be in the evening or in the the morning? So I can put something else on my calendar. So I'm full. You're going to come, Jesus. But, but you're right. There, there, is, there, is, there is some benefit to having a free spirit. Because a free spirit says, you know what? I'm just going to believe God. And I believe that's why God put us together. It's why there are people in your life who rub you the wrong way. That don't mean you got to cut them all out your life. Because sometimes folk need to rub you the wrong, the wrong way. Because in rubbing you, I'm not saying you rub me the wrong way. I, <laughs> I just thought about that. I, no, no. I really wasn't. But I thought about that as I was preaching that. People was like, mm, And I was like, oh, yeah, that's not what I meant. But you need people to challenge you. You need people to say, you know what, I love you, but I don't know that you really believe in God. What do you mean I ain't believe? And and look, people are going to get in digging. You don't know. And here's here's, here's what happens. Watch this. You say, well, I don't really know if you believe in God. What do you mean you don't know if I believe in God? I be praying. I be. Ah. Uh, So So you've just revealed your heart about what believing God is for you. Because the first thing you start doing is to list all the things that you've done. And that's what we gotta break away from. That's what we gotta break away from. I believe we can do it. It may, it may take some uncomfortable conversations. I ain't saying I got it all right. I'm studying it every day. Every time I'm reading the word, I'm like, wait a minute, that looks different than when I saw it before. Cause, cause, cause when they start talking about Jesus saving everybody, I'm like, wait a minute now. What about the Buddhists? Did you die for the Buddhists too? You die for the Muslim? For the Hare Krishna? You die for all of them? What, what, what do you, you, do, you made grace available to them? And that's why Nassar, you probably don't know him. I mean, Nassar Siddiqui, Pastor Nassar Siddiqui was a Muslim. He had, he tells this amazing testimony about how he had boils all over his body and that they would ooze and the nurses would have to come in every hour or so to wipe uh, the pulse from his boils. And that he was literally almost about to die. He said, and Jesus appeared in a room and said to him, I can heal you if you just believe I can. He said he was in such pain. He's a Muslim. He said he was in such pain, he didn't care who showed up who promised he could heal That's his testimony. He said, if you can heal me, I believe. He said, heal me, Jesus. He said he went to sleep and the next morning he woke up, every boil was off his body. Every boil, everything. They said that nurses was running in the room, they couldn't explain. I'm not talking about like there were sores that were healed. There was nothing on his body. Why? Because if you can get it in your heart that you just believe, manifestation will take place. That's a hard pill to swallow because it challenges us to ask the question, why I hadn't shown up? Do I have to believe more? I hate that term. Just believe. Not believe more, just believe. Just believe. And I I liken the illustration to a woman who's getting ready to have a baby. She can be four weeks alone, six weeks alone, eight weeks alone. She don't say I ain't pregnant yet. She don't say I don't have a baby. Right, because she's not showing yet. She is as pregnant on day one as she is the day she gives birth. Now, in life, there's a natural gestation period. And I believe that for some of us, sometimes we have to grow up to even handle the things. Because we used to say this all the time, Lord, don't take me anywhere my character can't keep me And the last thing you want to be doing is praying to be the chief financial officer and you got a thieving problem. <laughs> you don't want to have access to all the money and you got character issues where we're keeping your, your, your fingers to yourself. You don't want to be the head of HR, but you don't act with integrity. So sometimes, when the thing had manifested, it's not that you're not believing. There may just be some stuff taking place on the inside of you first. And then, when all those things get worked out, now's the appropriate time for you to see it. But don't believe God ain't done it. God's already done it. Amen? All right, come on, give the Lord some praise this morning. We're done. We're done. Pastor are you going to come? Listen, y'all need to read uh, Romans chapter 8. Read Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And so, if, if you're in Christ, but you keep feeling yourself being condemned by bad mistakes... And and, and that's not to say that you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel remorse when you, you know, if I hurt Nitra's feelings, whether knowingly or unknowingly, I should be, I should feel remorse for that. But once I've asked her to forgive me and she says, I forgive you, now it's time to move on. You can't keep living in those pasts because if you do, now you're living under condemnation. And it says there therefore now is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. So if you're in Christ and you're having these issues, you gotta really ask yourself, why are you still feeling that way? Why are you still dealing with that? Do you believe God?